1: Network, your team every day. I'm Peter Bukowski and I cover the Packers for Espionation and Packer Report. I cover the NFL around the internet. And you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked on Packers. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, on Spotify, on Google Podcasts. Wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked on Packers. The number one Packers podcast on the internet. And the show for fans who know what happened, they want to know why and how. Today's episode is brought to you by the Peacock and Williamson Show. Get your picks, previews, and much more every weekday with the Peacock and Williamson Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Subscribe wherever you get podcasts. So a couple things I want to dive into today, and that is Jair Alexander and the disrespect. Put some respect on his name. Am I doing the thing where I'm I'm an old trying to be a young? Yes, but the point is, uh, I got some some defensive player of the year odds, not even on the list. So we're gonna talk about that coming up. Also, uh, you know that that uh, that worst person in the world makes good point meme. <laughs> um, I'm not even gonna say who it was. I'm not even gonna say who it was. Okay, but they brought up. Uh, An interesting point that I want to make at the end of the show. I want to start the show, though, with a discussion about Jordan Love. And I was thinking, you know, okay, we're getting this Jordan Love stuff and he's out there playing. And so far, the reports, you know, we're getting glowing reports, not just from from media people who are watching, but from the coaches, Matt LaFleur. You know, this talked about the confidence and, and the ball. And every, everyone, everyone who has seen him is is doing the the, the ball jumps out of his hand thing. And that is, that is a thing with quarterbacks in person. You know, you can watch someone throw on TV and that's one thing. And then you see them in person. You go, man, the ball just, it's a sound. It makes a different sound coming out of his hand. It's like Dustin Johnson hitting his driver next to Steve Stricker. Like the sound is just different that's that's what that's what we're getting with jordan love right now and obviously you'd rather have that than the alternative that you know he still looks tentative and he looks weak armed and all all this stuff you know there was a, a point in last year where there was you know a report that was like yeah we didn't really see any of the arm talent and it's like okay well He didn't just lose the arm talent. Okay, that's still in there. It's about playing with confidence, understanding the offense, knowing where to go, playing decisively, and being able to just grip it and rip it is as much about understanding where to go and having confidence in your reads as it is the physical tools. We we know Jordan Love has the physical tools. That's exactly why I'm bringing this up. So let's think of a best-case scenario for Jordan Love. The best-case scenario is... In year one, you know, we've talked about Matt LaFleur's offense and the things that he can provide and and scheming guys open and, you know, making things easy, but also giving your quarterback the opportunity to win down the field, win in the intermediate part of the field. Jordan Love has the arm talent to do that. So let's say from an arm talent, physical tools standpoint, you get something like 80% of Aaron Rodgers. And and Jordan Love, by the way, I think physically, just from a physical tool standpoint, arm talent can make any throw standpoint. You know, he can be 85, 90, 90 plus percent of what Rodgers was. Rodgers is upper, 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 upper echelon of ability to make throws. It's not just talent, it's skill to... But, I mean, it's like Rodgers, Mahomes, Marino, Elway, and that's like the whole list of, of just pure throwing skill and ability. So we can't put Jordan Love in that class. But let's just say Jordan Love is in that like elite, NFL elite tier of physical tools, and those manifest themselves This year, let's just say, right, this is this is a pretty significant counterfactual because we have no idea how those things are going to translate because the mental side is such a big part of it. Right. And to my point earlier, being able to understand what you need to do makes it so much easier to actually do it. Because, you know, the off platform stuff is where you can see it shine. And I think that's a big reason why we didn't get to see in practice last year from Jordan Love, the, the full skill set, the full arm talent arsenal, because in rhythm, he just didn't quite know what to do. He didn't play under center at Utah State. And this is a different you know, kind of offense in terms of the fundamentals of it, the system, the, the, the basic concepts, it's all different. And so his brain is working overtime to make all those things happen. You can't play as quickly, you can't play as smoothly, you can't play as in rhythm and as decisively. And as a result, you're not gonna be able to make the same kind of throws that you can when you have a full year of studying all this under your belt. So let's say all of those physical tools are manifested, or or most of them are manifested this season. What are you missing? What are you missing? And one of the reasons why I'm bringing this up is because Matt LaFleur was on Flying Coach, a ringer podcast with Sean McVay, Robert Sala, and uh, Peter Schrager. And Matt LaFleur gushed about something Aaron Rodgers did. And this is what I think will separate love from Rogers early on.
2: What's equally as impressive is his mind and just the things that he can see that it's just amazing. There was, there was a a clip earlier this year uh, versus Detroit and I'm always watching the shot clock and, and I'm watching it going down. And I think we had a motion on a play and they're in a, they're in an all out pressure look and, I'm looking at the clock and it's at five seconds and we have, he's still talking to the tight end and the amount of things that he got done in five seconds was mind blowing. Well, I didn't think he was going to get it done. I popped the timeout before he could get the ball off. Of course, he got everything done. He got the ball snap and it was a premier look that was going to be a little uh a dump off to our tight end that was me wide open, but and I'll never forget, he ripped my ass, man. Yeah, so <laughs> hey, he, he, had
0: it, he had it under control. <laughs> hey, you talking about that though, how about the one sequence when you played Robert on Thursday night? Same yep. type of situation. This guy changes his tendency, not a big zero guy in the tight red area, but unless you're playing the Packers, I guess he did that a couple times <laughs> a couple years ago. But how about for him to be able to get to the hand signal? Extend his cadence out. He gets it. End up drawing a pi right there. But I just thought to myself, you know, you know how exciting that is to see what he just did right there. I mean, that play was unbelievable. Just watching the command. It's Robert. I know you remember that one. It it (laughs) wasn't
2: passing appearance. That was a clean play. (laughs) That was not passing appearance. But but spoken like a true defensive coach.
1: And it's not just the ability to process information quickly, pre-snap, get those audibles in and and put yourself in a a great position. It's more than that because, you know, with, with Sean McVay and Jared Goff, they went to the Super Bowl and Goff wasn't doing that. Matt Ryan and the Falcons, they went to the Super Bowl and Matt Ryan wasn't doing that. Jimmy Garoppolo and the 49ers went to the Super Bowl and Jimmy G wasn't doing that. But you still have to do a certain amount of pre-snap work to identify tendencies, to identify tendency breakers, and to put your team in in the best position to win. And that is something that we just, we don't know yet. We just don't know what that looks like yet from Jordan Love. We don't know how quickly he can process information pre-snap at the NFL level. We don't understand yet how quickly he can process information post-snap at the NFL level. And and I'm not you know trying to suggest he can't. I'm just saying we don't know. So here is uh, Sean McVay. You know you know what stood out to me though. You
0: can't appreciate it unless you're watching it in person. Like when we played them this year in the divisional round, I was so impressed just watching. Like when people talk about the game is in slow motion, this is what it looked like in terms of you know, the command watching our sideline, all we talked about all week. Okay. Hey, be ready. If they catch you in a sub and they haven't sub, he's going to get to the line of scrimmage and he's going to get a free play. I mean, the stats with what he's gotten on free plays down the field is unbelievable. Lo and behold, the first play I'm saying, you gotta be kidding me, but it was unbelievable. And just the way that he's watching the way that everything is going around him, it truly felt like, He was just totally present in the moment. He's seeing things. He's using the case. I mean, he's doing all the things that you want to see happen, but I don't think you can appreciate it until you watch it in person, that operation. And I'll tell you what, I thought you did an unbelievable job too, in terms of, you know, you could talk, you could feel how connected you guys were as a quarterback, as a quarterback play caller, you know, and I know Aaron alluded to it a lot throughout the course of the season, but There was a lot of times. And I think one of the best things is, is just that ebb and flow of, Hey, you kind of know he's in a good place and we're able to play off of one another and
2: goes back, Sean, great players make great coaches. It does. (laughs) You know, we've been, we've been fortunate to be around some really great players.
1: These are the differences. These are the differences. And if, and if you go back to Patrick Mahomes, year one. This is a guy who a year before that could not even identify the Mike linebacker in training camp. It took a lot of work to get him there. And it's like the old Brett Favre. You know, they're watching film and, and he didn't understand what nickel defense was. He had to ask Ty Detmer what a nickel defense was. And, you know, this was after an MVP season. This is a guy who, you know, had, had already torn up the league. And he's going, what's a nickel defense? He, he really didn't know. He was really just playing out there on instincts, playmaking, and raw talent. And I think that's that's sort of what you have to rely on if you're the Packers. And that's why you drafted him, right? That's what you do when, when you see someone like Jordan Love. You go, okay, we think we can teach him some of this uh, information processing stuff. When the play breaks down, he can go make a play. And from the pocket in rhythm, in our concepts, he can make every throw. He can make any throw that is special talent. But can he, can he do the things veterans do early? And, and usually with most guys that takes time for someone to be Andrew luck right away. Is pretty rare. Patrick Mahomes made up for it by being number one, supremely physically gifted, number two, playing with the best play caller and play designer in the league, and number three, playing with a loaded offense. Now, Green Bay has two of those three at least. And Matt LaFleur is one of the best play callers and play designers in the league. They have a loaded offense. And Jordan Love is supremely physically gifted. Now, would I predict that Jordan Love is going to go out and throw 50 touchdowns this year? No. No. But could you design an offense that maximizes his skills and, and takes them to, you know, if not 13 and three, you know, okay, 14 and three, 13 and four, whatever? Probably not. But maybe, maybe it would it could be a very similar situation and he doesn't have to turn out to be quite as good as Patrick Mahomes for that to be the case but that's the idea that's the idea and you hope that over time he can develop the knowledge base cuz that's what it is it's just reps it's 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 experiential knowledge of okay when i see the linebacker creeping up in this situation with this defense i know it's this and at a certain point, you mean you hear, you know, guys like Troy Aikman, Chris Collinsworth talk about this on the call. And they'll say something like, Oh, this quarterback has seen every look. I mean, Mike Patton talked about it two years ago with Phillip Rivers. You're not going to trick Phillip Rivers. Or you're probably not going to trick Phillip Rivers. And so you have to be sound, you have to be, you have to be disciplined, you have to be gap aware. You have to be spatially aware. Well, with young quarterbacks, you want to simplify it, and that's what this offense can do but you're not going to elevate it the way that Rogers did. You're not going to elevate it the way that Mahomes did in all likelihood. Maybe you are, maybe Jordan Love is that kind of talent, maybe physically. And as a playmaker, he can do that. And with, and with this group of playmakers and this play caller, they can get to that point, but in all likelihood, even if, even if the physical tools manifest themselves in the best possible way, what you're going to miss out on is all of that football intelligence and and accumulated information. And maybe that's a phrase you've heard recently. I don't know what the context might be that you would have heard that in. But all of that knowledge of 16 years in the NFL, you wouldn't have that if you're Jordan Love. And and that's not a knock on love. He, he hasn't been in the, in the league 16 years. So... It takes some time to develop that, and you know you'd hope that in a year, two years, three years, you'd feel really good about all that stuff with him. And these first team reps are certainly putting him in a better position than he would have otherwise been in to get thrown in the fire and actually succeed. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball is in full swing. You can track all the action at Bet Online. The NBA playoffs the Stanley Cup playoffs, golf, horse racing, UFC, MMA. It's all there. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. This is your chance to get into the game as NBA teams try to make runs to the finals, as hockey teams try and make runs at the Stanley Cup, and baseball teams try and get in position to go win a World Series title. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit when you use the promo code LOCKED. On Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. So, you know, I get these emails from Bet Online, and. I get all the odds on all kinds of stuff. And a lot of it is just like, well, who's who's betting on this stuff? I got the I got the odds on the Aaron Rodgers Bryson DeChambeau match against Tom Brady and Phil Mickelson. We haven't talked about that. And guess what? We are probably not going to talk about that. <laughs> but I got the defensive player of the year odds for this season. And it comes in a sort of quasi-press release. And there was a name I noticed missing. Jair Alexander, not on the list. Now that doesn't mean that, that he doesn't have odds. In fact, he does have odds, but he's not on the list and it doesn't matter that, that he's not on the list entirely. Although it does from just like Hey, if you're going to put together a list and you're going to go all the way down on this list to 100 to 1, and you're going to include names like Kyle Van Noy and Trey Hendrickson and Richard Sherman and Jadavion Clowney, maybe you should include the name of the guy who was arguably the best corner in the league last year. I don't know. Bud Dupree is on this list. Cameron Jordan is on this list. Devin Bush, who didn't even play last year, is on this list. I don't get it. Why is Jair Alexander not on this list? Now, he has odds. His odds are the same as Chris Jones, DeForest Buckner, Leonard Williams, Patrick Peterson, and his teammate, Sidarius Smith. His odds are worse than Chris Jones, Jason Pierre-Paul, Jamal Adams, Demarcus Lawrence, Shaq Barrett, Stephon Gilmore, who's coming off serious injury, Marcus Peters, Von Miller, who didn't play last year, Bradley Chubb, who might not even be the best pass rusher on his own team and might be in Green Bay soon, Bobby Wagner, J.J. Watt. J.J. Watt. I mean, I love J.J., but come on. Come on. What is with the district? I mean, you look at the top of the list, Aaron Donald, of course, Miles Garrett, TJ Watt, of course, Chase Young, Joey Bosa, Nick Bosa, Khalil Mack, Darius Leonard, Derwin James. Okay, okay. Those are names you expect to be up there. But guess what Derwin James didn't do last year? He didn't play. Guess what he wasn't last year? One of the best defenders in football. Now, the year before that, he was an all-pro. No question, he was an all-pro. And it is going to be tough. For Jair to get the recognition that he deserves. Do you know how I know that? Because he didn't get the recognition he deserved last year. Now, okay, you know, Xavier Howard, Jalen Ramsey, those guys take up a lot of the spotlight at the cornerback position. Marcus Peters? Marcus Peters isn't even the best corner on his own team. Jason Pierre-Paul, he plays on a really good defense, but he hasn't been a, a uniquely... Uh, impactful pass rusher since he played for New York, and, and we're we're talking about like a long time ago. He's on a really good defense, but I mean, what are we doing? What are we doing, Demarcus Lawrence? Look, he's a very good player, a, a highly impactful player, one of the best pass rushers in the league. Last year, he couldn't get sacks because the rest of that Cowboys defense is such a disaster. Is such a disaster. Green Bay has one of the best secondaries in the league. And Jair was outstanding last year. Pro football focus, um, the, the advanced numbers loved him. The subjective numbers loved him. He was awesome last year. And I think he is primed for an even better season this year, getting to play a bunch of match zone where he can play through the quarterback's eyes and go make plays on the football. I think the interception numbers are going to jump up. You're going to see him more on the slot. He's going to be able to roam and make plays. I think this defense is going to be good. And I just don't understand how Patrick Peterson, Patrick Peterson could have the same odds as Jair Alexander. How Stefan Gilmore, a corner in his thirties, coming off a serious leg injury, could have better odds than Jair Alexander. Part of this is just sort of like raise the awareness for Jair Alexander. If I get a list of guys who are Defensive Player of the Year candidates and you put the list together and Trey Hendrickson is on it and Jair isn't, figure it out. And, and this is not even a bet online thing. It's not, it's not their fault necessarily because they're putting together lines that reflect um, public opinion in some ways. So I'm not railing against them. This is not about them. This is about a perception. This is about recognition of a player across the country because these odds are reflective of potential betting behavior. So again, this is not about bet online. This is not about their odds or whatever it is. This is about perception because the perception is what drives these things. And the name recognition. I mean, the fact that some of these guys are on this list from a name recognition standpoint over Jair Alexander is the, the the precise problem that I that I'm railing against here. Because he was awesome last year. And because the defense fell apart again in the playoffs, we can't even talk about it. He was awesome. And it doesn't matter, we can't talk about it. I just reject that. I reject it. And I think the odds should be higher. I think the odds should be hard because people should recognize how good he is. There's no way, there's no way that Devin White is a better football player than Jair Alexander, a more impactful football player than Jair Alexander. He's just not. And Bradley Chubb, what, what is he doing on this list? Chandler Jones, what is he doing uh, uh, over Jair? And, and these guys, this is not the list thing. This is a, an odds thing. Daniel Hunter, who didn't play last year with a neck injury. Has shorter odds than Jair. Chandler Jones, shorter odds than Jair. Devin White, shorter odds. Shaq Barrett, shorter odds. Why? Why? It doesn't make sense. And frankly, look, throw a little money down. Go to betonline.ag. Throw a little money down on Jair Alexander at, you know, plus 5,000. And, you know, you can make yourself some money. Is Is he the favorite to win it? Obviously, he's not. But could he? Yeah, he could. And are you getting good value there? Yes, absolutely. Yes, you are. Today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar ever. It's a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar with delicious flavors like coconut, almond, mint brownie, peanut butter, brownie, salted caramel, and then limited edition flavors. Flavors that often sell out because they are so, so delicious. You have to jump on them or they will be gone. They will be gone. I love the mixed box option where you can get two of each of the nine flavors. They're all high fiber, high protein, low calorie, low sugar. Do I understand how the technology works? No. Are they delicious? Yes, I can vouch for their deliciousness and they are not going to make you feel guilty about eating something sweet and delicious. Go to BiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKED15. I've gotten some questions about the promo code. Be careful about it. LOCKED15, the old one was a different promo code. It is now LOCKED15 to get 15% off your first order. Promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BiltBar.com. I don't want to spend a lot of time on this, but I do think it's interesting. I had forgotten about this. If you go back to before the 2020 draft, Matt LaFleur was asked about drafting a quarterback after the season. And he would not rule it out. And, you know, obviously expressed faith in, in Aaron Rodgers and all that stuff but wouldn't rule it out. And then Brian Gudikins was asked about it. And he said, you know, the right guy, you know, we'd be, we'd be interested in it. It's the most important position on the field. But said they they could and they would if the right guy was there. And then Maliflor was asked about it again at the combine. And not only did he say that they they could or they would, but he was asked about what that guy looked like and then was able to go into very specific Traits and ideas and details about what that guy might potentially look like. A scouting report that is very similar. Some might say word for word what the Jordan Love scouting report is. Isn't it interesting that it is good enough for Aaron Rodgers to have spoken about Jake Kumaro in the media and expected the team to have understood and listened to that. But not good enough for the Packers brass team you got to have a head coach and a GM all saying multiple times that they could take a quarterback and that that's not good enough for Aaron Rodgers. Now, that being said, this is this is me dunking on a narrative structure not uh what actually happened, okay? it, it is the case though that if Aaron Rodgers is miffed about the Jay Kumaro thing, he really can't be miffed about not getting a heads up on the Jordan Love thing because the Packers telegraphed this. They said, if you go back and look now, it, it is pretty obvious, in fact, that that they were looking at this stuff. They were, they were deep into it. On the other hand, Alex Smith went on the radio the other day and said, Look, the, the Chiefs were transparent with me. Hey, we're looking at QBs. Just wanted to let you know. Now, Aaron Rodgers, not Alex Smith. They're different guys. They're at different points in their career. And if you're Alex Smith, I think... You probably understand. Look, um I'm probably going to be replaced pretty soon. Or if they think they can upgrade for me, they're gonna. Now maybe Alex Smith doesn't think that way, but certainly the Chiefs are thinking that way, and I would think that way if I were the Chiefs. Yeah, this guy's a placeholder, but like we think we can get a lot better. And they were right about that. They could have been more transparent with Rodgers about this. Hey, look. We're looking at quarterbacks. Understand, We just really like this class. And if we take somebody, you know, you're still our guy. Don't worry about it. That could have helped a lot of this. I don't think just a heads up, you know, and we talked about this with tight on just a heads up is not going to fix anything. Hey, by the way, we're going to take this guy. No, no, no. That's not enough. Oh, you could have taken a receiver. You took Jordan love. Okay. Yeah. Just a heads up is not going to make Aaron Rodgers feel any better. It wouldn't make me feel better if I were Aaron Rodgers but if you'd been you know transparent through the process and said hey you know we're we're doing our work and you know just say so you no know, you're our guy for the next few years no matter what you're under contract you know we we signed you the contract for a reason we want you to play on it and you know if the rookie is ready he's going to play and and you know you shouldn't feel threatened you're still a great player and and so you shouldn't feel threatened because you should feel like you're still better than him. Ben Fennel pulled out a great tweet from back in 2010 about Aaron Rodgers where he was like, you know, Brett Favre probably thought he was still one of the best quarterbacks in the league and thought he was the best quarterback on the roster. And, you know, I was there. And it was very similar to what's going on right now. Rodgers explained almost, you know, word for word what could be happening now. And yet, you know, when the, when the roles were reversed – a little different and it is of course very different to be in that position so look I, I i don't say that to try and dunk on rogers by any means but just that you know let, let's let's try and be consistent on this so yes the packers could have and should have kept rogers in the loop on hey you know look if we take a guy it's not about it's not about you in the short term and if you keep playing well, you're going to be the quarterback here for as long as you play well. And and that's just the reality. But, you know, we like some of these guys. And so we might take them. And if we take them, just to understand, you know, you're standing in, in the organization. That would have been helpful, probably. Now, would that have been enough? Who knows? Who knows? I mean, we genuinely just don't know. But certainly, if we're going to compare apples to apples here, Aaron Rodgers went on the radio and said, Jay Kumaro is my guy. And they cut him the next day. Well, okay. The Packers went on in the offseason multiple times and said, we could take a quarterback and then took a quarterback. And that's not enough. So I agree. That's not enough. But I also think the Kumaro thing is nonsense. That is really the point that I'm trying to make. That's dumb. Obviously, Rodgers feels a type of way about it. It's been reported by his agent that Rodgers did feel a type of way about it. I I can't, I can't, I can't go there because if we're going to go there, then if you're Rodgers, you also have to concede the point that you should have known that they could have taken a quarterback they had left the door open and then they did it. So either it's not a big deal that you went to the media and talked about Jake Kumro. They did what they did. And it's okay that they didn't tell you about Jordan Love or both. Need to be flipped, and it's and it's important that they need to listen to you on that, and that you need to listen to them on Jordan Love. That's it. It can't be both ways. I mean, you can't you can't try and mix and match them logically incoherent, Can't work like that. So, just something that I wanted to bring up. Interesting. That that was something that that I saw on Twitter, and and I thought deserved a little bit more explanation. We'll be back next week, um, and uh, that mini camp. That mandatory mini camp is really looming. It is lumen. So we'll see if anything changes between now and then. Miles Teller posting cryptic Instagram posts. Um, well, maybe they'll slip up and say, oh, yeah, hey, Aaron Rodgers is back. It's great. Uh, follow me on Twitter, Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked on Packers. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts. You will find Locked on Packers. And anytime you want to hit us up on the Locked on Packers fan hotline, you can do that. 920 341 775 to stay locked on Packers.